Hiring the wrong executive costs you time and money. Leveraging work psychology, Spear Consulting helps you hire the right executive so you can focus on growing your business. For a free quote, visit spiritmco.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Tips for Team Building podcast, where our mission is to inspire and propel others along in their leadership journeys. So excited for today's uh, guest, Dr. Cindy Donato. Uh, Welcome to the show, Cindy, and thank you so much for taking the time. For those who don't know who you are, uh, we always start with the first question of who are you? Yeah, thank you, Jaden. It's great to join you, and thank you so much for reaching out. This is a great um, opportunity to just really help people grow their leadership, right? Um, Learn new things. Um, So background for me, um, personally, I really have been in healthcare for the last six or seven years, um, born out of some family issues. Um, I got really engaged in St. Louis, which is where I make my home right now. in mental health in St. Louis, um, really um, to pay homage to my sister who's now passed, who was schizophrenic. And, um, you know, really a heart move. And at at a certain point in my career, I thought, geez, could I combine my industry experience with my heart, right? And bring those things together. And that had me make the transition into healthcare six or seven years ago. But I have experience um, in global organizations, in agriculture, in consumer packaged goods, in the IT space, and now in healthcare. So have seen a lot of change in those industries and feel like that is professionally sort of my forte. And that is helping teams to really adjust to their segment and win in that segment and bring some of the human resources solutions to help accelerate that. Awesome. 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 And love how you have just been able to like bring your skills, your knowledge and your wisdom across like all these different industries. You, you sometimes see where people get in their comfort spot and they just stay there because that's the industry they know. And that's what they're most, you know, most comfortable with, but think that that's like just an awesome, um, just kind of show of the value that you bring to the table as an executive. Well, thank Cindy. you. You know, I, I'd like to believe that I have, but <laughs> actually it's happened over time through all of those experiences, right? Um, you know, I, I think we've talked about this before, you know, there's a difference between reading how to ride a bike, right? And actually riding a bike and the experiences that you gain from that and that can never be taken away from you. And so some of that's been through winning and some of that's been through hard knocks in some of the industries and opportunities that, you know, needed to be stepped into from a leadership standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. And also just love that you, you know, and appreciate you sharing about your sister and, you know, sorry for the struggles that, you know, she had to you know, uh, deal with, but then also as a family, I'm sure the toll that it, it took on you all as well, but love how you've been able to, you know, kind of recognize that like, I'm, I'm really good in HR, but I also have this passion for healthcare and being able to now, you know, intertwine the two, um, and make a career out of that. So Cindy, can you share with us a little bit more? Um, you've kind of gone through it a little bit, but just share a little bit more of how you've gotten into the leadership position you're in today. Yeah, well, I I really have to credit, um, you know, a a, a business leader, a a hospital president who um, actually was introduced to me through, I guess, a mutual contact. He actually cold called me and and, um, said, you know, would you like to have coffee? And I, I really enjoyed partnerships with big thinkers. And I have to really credit him for taking a, a 
you know, rolling the dice on somebody who didn't have industry experience, particularly in healthcare. It's one of the most complex industries for change that I've ever been um, associated with or, or um, you know, had the pleasure to serve in. And he took a risk um, and he wanted someone who could bring some industry ideas and practices um, both in the HR space, but also in continuous improvement and in employee communications and patient experience to healthcare and took a risk. And um, what was great was the timing for BJC. At BJC, um, you know, we were able to pilot some things at that hospital that I started at and hadn't begun at that time sort of our journey to become an integrated system, you know, move from a holding company um, to some space in between a holding company and an operating company. And, and so that's, that's the journey that we started and were able to practice in a smaller um, organization where people could really understand the ideas that we were bringing forward and, and participate in those ideas, right? And, um, you know, we just kept iterating to make it better. And now some of those practices are things that BJC as a system is taking on uh, because of that success. Awesome. 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 So you kind of talked about like piloting those new programs and, you know, being focused on continuous improvement. And I'm sure that, you know, as a big thinker, like you are, Cindy, it's easy to sometimes think of like, oh my gosh, there's so many great things out there that we could be doing, but then there's also some shortcomings in the things that we're already doing. So Mm -hmm. how do you balance new initiatives versus improvements to what's already there? Well, first of all, Jane, I'm coming back tomorrow because you're just loaded with these compliments. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really good for me to um, you know, have this experience. So I am coming back tomorrow. Um, so change, you know, I think, you know, the difference between authority and leadership is respect. And respect is built through honoring what people have experienced and honoring perspectives. And, um, you know, not everybody's open to, to change or to new ideas. The status quo is, is working working pretty well, um, or at least in, in their life it is, you know? Um, so it's a question of really building relationships and putting ideas and sort of the structure for stepping into that in front of people and, and doing that slowly. Um, like some of the changes that we tried, um, you know, at BJC in this one particular hospital, gosh, I didn't start with day one. I, I probably brought some more contemporary HR practices year two into year three a- after I got to know them and I got to see some of the problems that they were articulating. And so when you start to bring solutions that help people with problems that they are already struggling with, you know, and, and you're respectful about it, um, people, people will join you to try new things, especially if it's, you know, something that we can walk away from. And, you know, we've tried things that we just weren't ready for and said, no, you know, it's not the right time and shut them down. And, and that's something unusual, you know, in, in, in an organization to say, mm, not ready now. And, and um, let's close this project instead of letting it go on and on and on and on, you know? Awesome. So, yeah, no, I think that, um, you know, you kind of hit on like just being able to build that relational equity so that when you do, you know, try to roll out something, 
you have some champions that, you know, can help you with that rollout. So, so Cindy, what, what is your approach and, and how do you develop those relationships as a leader? Yeah. So it's always about values, values-based leadership. It's, it's just, um, it, it, it's just ingrained in relationships, right? If, if I, so, so in several industries that I've been in, retention has been a key issue. Um, when I was with Express Scripts earlier in my career, you know, very much an IT company, an operations company, and, and IT talent in our region, you know, um, was scarce. Um, so, um, you know, retention was key there, and retention was key when I was the chief people officer at Novus International, a global company, um, had a lot of turnover in Asia. Um, and so, you know, needed to be attended to. And, and then, of course, in healthcare, I mean, the last couple of years has just been a challenge. I remember stepping into healthcare and we were already in double digits, like 14, 15% turnover. And now, you know, many organizations, um, you know, are, are up towards 20% turnover in nursing. So turnover and retention has been a part of my leadership for several segments and several experiences and what works there. For my own organization, it's really connecting with you as an individual. What are your values and beliefs? What, what do you bring as your, you know, kind of superpowers, right? And how do I connect with that and help you to see your purpose carried out in the organization? that to me is sort of the ultimate for this new term called belonging, right? Belonging is sort of tacked into um, DE&I initiatives, right? But belonging is really, to me, about if I can fulfill my purpose in an organization, how I see my strengths and, and what I bring to an organization, and the organization can benefit from that, well, then I'm, I'm fulfilling my purpose. And goodness gracious, isn't that the best definition of belonging? Why would I ever want to leave an organization where my leader gets me, I'm able to contribute in ways that play to my strengths and my life's purpose. And for me to understand that in somebody who works for me or the people that work with me, that takes a commitment to each other. That takes either building trust or starting with trust, right? And understanding what's important to that individual, how they want to live that importance in their life and how to bring that together with my own, with my own strengths and my own um, ideas of my purpose, right? Yeah. And I just love that, that definition because I think that as, as you've kind of talked about, like, a lot of times belonging gets grouped in with DE&I and, you know, it's certainly an important part of it, yeah. but, you know, so many times I think that like a lot of organizations are focusing on DE&I and don't always focus on the belonging. So being yeah. able to kind of clearly identify what, what does that mean and how does that, um, well, how does that kind of incorporated yeah. and ingrained in how we lead? You can tell I'm ready to jump right in here. So, so to me, belonging and that idea of knowing what someone uniquely brings and what their purpose is and, and how they want to display it and, and leveraging that in the organization is the ultimate definition of diversity. It's valuing each individual as an individual and helping them to connect with the organization's purpose with their purpose, right? Um, so it belongs in the DEI space, but belonging to me can be about just about 
um, some more surface things like, um, you know, celebrating birthdays and those kinds of, which is important, definitely important, but I'm going to stay with an organization, not because they celebrate my birthday, but because they value who I am, my strengths, my superpowers, I like to call them and give me, you know, a, a way of, of bringing those to the team or to the organization. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. So, um, you know, I, I think we, you know, kind of hit on with, with that, um, all about the relationships and, and how to build them and, you know, the belonging being such an important piece of that as a leader and just getting to know your team and what they bring to the table and who they are maybe outside of work too. Because I think that sometimes we get this idea that like, you know, work is work, personal is personal and there's no intersection. Right. But, but we all know that there is, (laughs) you know, getting to know all of that so that we can create that world-class experience where they don't want to leave and they feel completely valued as who they are as an entire person inside, outside of work, whatever it may be. Um, And and I think that that's incredible. So thanks for sharing, Cindy. Can you maybe share with us a time where as a leader, you've struggled to build a relationship with a key stakeholder and how you were able to overcome that challenge? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, it, it, it's hard to collaborate with someone who just doesn't want to collaborate, <laughs> you know, and, and some, some people are built that way. And, and, you know, I, I, I've made some career mistakes, like um, um, maybe partnering with a leader who my instincts told me wasn't necessarily, you know, a good collaborator um, and sort of overriding those instincts to take a position or, you know, that sort of thing. And, you know, if you, that kind of person for me, you're going to win it on transactional reasons. You're going to win it on the project that you brought the value in, you know, the, the, the things that you do instead of the things that you are and the way you be. Okay. Uh, Because you're not going to match in the way you be. Okay. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, my ultimate desire is to be with an org for me personally is to be with an organization where I can be my authentic self, like bring all that I am. Right. And so even the quirky things like, you know, I, you know, I meditate, I believe in things that, you know, are beyond the physical. I believe that I'm more than, you know, a physical being. And, and, um, you know, I, I work with a team that, you know, asks me about that you know, and asked me to bring that and, and, and to sometimes lead a, a, a you know, a, a meditation or a visualization exercise. And we brought meditation and kind of wellness and mindfulness into some of our um, programs, to, you know, to help physicians and to help employees deal with the world that we've ha- had, you know, that, that was already stressful in healthcare, but, you know, you bring COVID in a pandemic and some of the societal things that we've been facing as a as a global society and, and in our nation. Um, and, you know, y- you need to help provide employees with tools um, and help them, you know, find uh, places and spaces that are safe to express what's concerning and what's in their heart. Um, so, you know, back to your question, I mean, I think it's finding a, a, a way in, right? And whether that way is transactional and maybe not displaying all of who you are, you can find benefit in the learning in that and uh, figure out a way to partner um, with with someone. And eventually, 
I think if you hang in there and you don't just push and try to be authoritative um, or, you know, controlling, you know, you, you do end up finding your way into the relationship. Have you been feeling unfulfilled? You want to be happy, but just continue to struggle. One of the best ways to experience joy is by caring for the homeless. A charity I've grown to love, River of Light, food rescues a million meals per year for the needy in Chicago. Imagine how that make you feel, knowing that you're helping feed children and veterans. To make a tax-deductible donation, visit riveralightchicago.org. Again, riveralightchicago.org. No one should go to bed hungry. Yeah. And I, I love the, you know, the, the thought behind just like mindfulness and meditation and just like providing that, that resource, um, and, and pushing, pushing people towards that, because I think it is, as you said, I mean, and as we kind of said earlier in terms of belonging that like what's outside of work also affects what, what's who you are at work. Right. So even though you know, um, the problems that we're facing, you know, in healthcare, obviously COVID-19 is having a huge impact, you know, in healthcare, but even outside of healthcare, just the, the, the challenges of that, you know, in society affects who we are and who we show up as, um, you know, in, in the workforce. So it's important to provide those resources. So kudos, kudos. And I think in today's day and age, it's not making, it's, it's working really hard to not make anybody wrong. I mean, we may take a stance in healthcare about, you know, being vaccinated because of the role that we serve in society. But that isn't to say that we disrespect someone who doesn't believe in that and has a different orientation to that or masking, for example. Um, I mean, we may have some requirements and we want to live to that, but I don't want to make anybody wrong for thinking differently or being differently. Um, so it's, it's really about, um, you know, managing the spectrum, if you will. And even in our communications about compliance with some things, doing it in a way that makes room for everybody to be at the table. I love that. I love that. I think that you're just the uh, the queen of belonging, Cindy. It's, <laughs> I can oh tell gosh. that you're uh, you're really passionate about it, and just thinking of a way. You know, obviously, like you said, there are certain requirements and things that you have to do, but that doesn't have to be like at the expense of others, and that doesn't have totally. to be you know um, degrading others because of that, um, totally. even if it's something that has to be done. Totally. So one of the things that you kind of hit on earlier was like retention and, and turnover. And I know that, um, you know, prior to the show, I had you, you know, send over your resume just so that way I could, you know, see some of the awesome things that you've, you've accomplished. And one of the things that you, you know, highlight over and over again is like the ability to, you know, um, to decrease turnover and, you know, improve Mm -hmm. retention rates. So what do you consider, Cindy, like, let's say you walk in and there's a massive turnover problem in an organization. What's like, what's your first step? What's most, yeah. cons- what's most important when thinking about like retaining staff? Yeah. You can see my eyes starting to squint. I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, as you're, well, every situation has been different. The market condition has been different. The talent base has been different. The uh, receptivity of leadership to join you has been different. So first and foremost, in my current situation, I, and I guess this is how I'd approach it anywhere is 
is, um, you know, how relevant is this problem to not just HR, right? Um, we don't own the space and the solutions. Now we may be able to facilitate, you know, some of um, the solutioning. So, um, you know, get others around the table, right? So number one. Number two, I think root cause analysis is hugely important. We tend to want to like, you know, just solve the problem and knock the ball out of the park and it doesn't work, right? And if, if this were not a complex problem, we could solve it that way. But it is incredibly complex. We now have a workforce that has, you know, four generations that have really different life experiences and have different life motivations. I'm not wanting to like put everybody in one bucket or another, but those are very different than managing, you know, sort of maybe even just two different segments. It's, it's, it's multiple segments, it's multiple disciplines. Um, and so, you know, what's happening there is something that needs more of a root cause analysis. So um, we like to say at BJC, um, data, not drama, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, so what are the causes of turnover and how can we learn from some solutions to mitigate some of those, um, some of those challenges. And uh, I'm also a really big fan of performance improvement and using, you know, your, your lean and problem solving and Six Sigma kinds of tools um, to, to solve. I, I, I've learned over time that the outcomes that you have in an organization are what you've designed. And we can beat up leaders and say they're not good leaders or, you know, but, but they're do everybody, everybody is just doing the absolute best that they can in the situation we've created. And so how do we, from a root cause standpoint, start to bring solutions that change the design of the organization, the situation, so that leaders can be at the table, can create that relationship and that stickiness that is not just a relationship with leader, but a relationship with team and purpose. And then also with organization, like I need to understand what are your beliefs? How do I connect with you, leader to employee? I need to connect your superpowers with the team and have that be a back and forth so that the team is knit together and belongs to each other. And then I also need to have an idea of what do you want to become? Because you don't always necessarily want to do this role forever. And so how do I help you fulfill not just your purpose and your purpose in place, but your purpose in life and that, that this is the organization that you can do it in. And, um, you know, getting leaders around the table to systemically solve so that leaders can step into belief, belong, and become, which is, by the way, um, uh, Dave Ulrich's um, research and model. I want to want to quote him. That's not not Cindy. <laughs> um, you know, is 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 it's got a ton of efficacy with respect to retention. Yeah, I love that, and thanks for kind of diving in, diving in with that, and. One thing that you you mentioned that stood out to me was the outcomes you have, you know, are a result of how you've designed it. So it's not necessarily that outcomes are because of bad effort or because of people not caring or not being engaged, but the design on the front end just might not have yep. been there. And yeah. you know, kind of recognizing that. Yeah. 
in you know in in um you know the the way the brain likes to work is we like to practice the outcome bias and that is where the outcome is that's where the problem is versus kind of scoping out and looking at what before that created those circumstances and that isn't to say that people don't make mistakes they do and sometimes those mistakes are not in the best interest of the people and the organization and and need some accountability right but most of the time people are acting in service of each other and in service of the organization when mistakes are made so how do we make it easy to make the right choices and design that into the work that we do which is not an overnight solution. It's not going to be the one thing that knocks us all out of the park that gets us to 10% retention on in nursing. It's just such a dynamic situation. Yeah. And so you kind of hit on a little bit of, you know, one word that, that stood out was accountability, um, but then also doing things that are good for, you know, the leaders and the organization as a whole. And, you know, as a leader within your organization, you, you have the responsibility to coach and develop your team. You have people yep. under you and you have to yep. coach and develop them. Uh, but, you know, also you kind of have this responsibility to hold others accountable as well. Mm-hmm. And sometimes yep. that's more difficult to do. It's yep. easy to coach your team. It's not as easy to coach, you know, up or coach sideways yep. um, within the organization. But, you know, ultimately you know, accountability and doing what's good for the organization. It's good that everyone, you know, feels able to, to hold everyone accountable. So can mm-hmm. you share your approach to coaching up or sideways within an organization? Mm. Yeah. And then maybe an example you have of like a success story in coaching someone at a higher level. Yeah. Um, so before I, I walk into an example, um, can we just um, sort of unpack accountability and responsibility a little bit go for it would that be okay so um my belief is and what i've kind of seen through experience is that accountability resides in a position you know in my position i'm accountable for xyz in terms of outputs or improvement responsibility resides in an individual I demonstrate responsibility by stepping into my work in a certain way. Um, and, you know, when you think about sort of strengths finders, you know, the, the, the Gallup tool, um, you know, responsibility is one of their traits, not accountability. Okay. So, you know, I, responsibility happens to be in my top five strengths. So that means I'm going to, I'm going to take my accountabilities seriously, right? That's wired in me to be responsible as a strength. Um, So in unpacking that, sometimes it's good to uncouple that with a situation, right? So when I'm coaching, let's say, let's say downward, you you use the term downward, sideways, you know, upward. Um, Let's say I'm coaching sideways, you know, it doesn't really matter. Um, someone is not going to, so for example, let's, let's use an example of a, of, of an upward coaching. 
a lot of times leaders like to hold on to decisions that they could push down into the organization. They don't have to hold it themselves. And in fact, it's not necessarily the highest and best use of their skills. And um, I've often engaged leaders in the why of that. And generally it is that they don't believe that if they decentralize that decision, that accountability, that the right way of looking at that problem or those um, accountabilities would be dispensed. So they hold on to it. And so then I engage the leader generally in a conversation over, so under what conditions would you be willing to let go of that decision and push it into the organization? You know, would you be willing to pilot it? You know, do we need to do some exper experiential work with where we want to decentralize that to? Um, would there be conditions under, you know, a certain cost parameter that, you know, would be okay, like a threshold or, you know, there, what are the conditions for that accountability? Okay, when it is not an accountability, then it's a personality thing, right? Then it's about responsibility. I don't believe that given, you know, the way this person, you know, is committed to the organization that they will make certain decisions. You know, I'm just making that up. Um, so, so around accountability and decision-making, that's an upward coaching technique. Um, around something personal, man, you do not get the right to step into a personal conversation with someone if you don't have the relationship. And so I, I, I spoke about the leader that hired me at BJC. We've had a great partnership. And while I don't work for him directly anymore um, in the organization, um, I built a relationship with him that I was able to say to him, and he always would know if I started with, John, I love you so much. <laughs> He'd be like, okay, it's coming. You know, <laughs> um, you know, what you're, you know, there was a time when he was asking me to carry out some things in the organization and, and you know, on his behalf. And, um, there was a point in time where I felt like I couldn't push that any further, um, given my relationships and what my role really was. And I, you know, really said to him, look, if I push further, and I know that's what you want, you want me to go further, farther, faster, the organization's going to spit me out. And that's not in my interest. And that's not in your interest. <laughs> you know, so, so what is it that, you know, is for you to step into here? You know, um, sort of just sometimes it's just painting a bigger picture. And, um, I, you know, I don't know, it's, it's different with everyone. You know, I, I currently have a leader that I think is very transactional. So it's appealing to her in transactions. You know, um, you know, here's where I'm going with this and here's what the benefits will be and here are the facts of the situation, right? Um, people just connect differently and it's finding out how they connect and whether or not, um, you know, they want to go deeper into who you are. And, and, you know, some of that isn't about me, like, okay, you know, they don't care to do that with me. No, sometimes that's just who they are. And you're not going to make them different. Yeah. And you're not yeah. going to make them wrong. Right, right. 
And I love, I love that. <laughs> uh, John, I love you so much, but let me tell you something. <laughs> we've we've got to talk. He's like, oh man, Cindy's coming at me again. <laughs> no, but he'll, he'll do the same thing. Cindy, I right. love you. Bye. You know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I love, and also, I love- you know, it's picking the time and place, right? You know, there are times when I would could say that if depending upon what the coaching thing is in front of the team. And there are times when you say that behind closed doors, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Cindy, I have just been so excited to connect with you and just hear some of your thoughts and, and wisdom and approaches um, to things. If, if others in the audience were, were inspired as well, how can they reach you? Oh, oh, thank you. Um, well, email works. Um, so it's C-Y-N-D-Y dot Donato, D-O-N-A-T-O at Gmail. Um, or you can find me on LinkedIn, um, Dr. Cindy Donato. So I'm happy to connect there. Um, yeah, would love to hear from people. Would love to exchange. This is a great format. And um, yeah, let's keep it going. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And we will include both of those items in our show notes so that people have access to them. Uh, Cindy, just want to say thank you so, so much for serving as a guest on the (laughs) Tips for Team Building podcast. Um, I'm sure that you will just inspire and propel others along with the wisdom that you've shared and have really enjoyed the opportunity to reconnect. Uh, Look forward to continuing the dialogue. Thanks, Jaden. You've been wonderful. Like I said, I'm coming back tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in to the Tips for Team Building podcast, where we propel others along in their leadership journeys. If you enjoyed the show, would you please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listened? You can also visit www.spiritmco.com to find out more about how Spirit Consulting inspires virtuous leadership. We'll see you next time.